this is like what is it called what what's that box with the cat might be dead or not uh 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 schrodinger's cat this is schrodinger's text i don't know if he's read it or not so <laughs> it's well and the only like name that jumped into my head was pavlov i'm like like no, no that's the dog that's with the, dog the, with the, the salivation <laughs> yeah it's come on it's not the dead cat in a box it's a dog with a bell we should probably um start so i can go to bed yeah same <laughs> oh we didn't even start the episode huh oh no we just started talking just started our lives um like sands through the hourglass these are the days of our lives welcome to episode four wait nope 104 104, <laughs> <laughs> 104. <laughs> welcome to episode four where am i what is this episode <laughs> wait, we went back in time i'm christina <laughs> that that right there's amanda this is i'm sorry what the podcast and i can tell you we are prepared <laughs> we we are fucking ready ready, Stop ready. Oh, no. oh i made a mistake did you put something in your eyeball that was on your finger well you see i made guacamole and i cut up um, jalapenos <laughs> jalapenos jalapenos and I had washed my hands, but I think I had missed like a little corner of my finger and I poked my eye and now it's it's watering. Oh god. Oh she's burning. Oh she's a she's a burning. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well now that we've like talked before we actually started the totally episode. confused the shit out of any one who just started listening to us in this or, very first episode yeah they're like uh what is this about i thought that was a true crime podcast what the fuck is happening right now <laughs> it, it is eventually it just takes a second to get there just fucking give us a minute all right okay well <laughs> i'm not gonna wait for the walrus to stop barking so we're just if you hear it in the background it's we're not killing her she just is excited um yeah We've see, we saw we recorded like four days ago, so we know we don't have any updates in our lives. Nope, life's Both still crazy. Fucking working, whole lot of working, whole not a twerking. I I I need a I need a twerk 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 twerk. I know. I just want to yeah. twerk 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 twerk, but instead I gotta work 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 work. Oh, that was good. That was like, good. Look at you. Good. What are you, an artist? It's like I've. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it's like you just changed the words to an already existing song. <laughs> to make it fit my life. <laughs> Thank you for narrating? Fuck off. Oh what God. is that? <laughs> and everybody shuts us off. Yes, and we're... Oh, that was a mistake. This was our final episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode four. We're done now. <laughs> Oh, shit. Right. Yeah, so nothing new since our last... Jeez, oh, I'm sorry. I almost need the microphone off the table. Sorry. I was talking to that him, not you. I was like, hey, stay on the table. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Uh, anyway, yeah, so we have... I was just saying, we have no updates, so uh, our intro is going to be lackluster. <laughs> Not that Black you luster, just that. like my sex life. Okay, just, shall we start? <laughs> just my life in general, it's a little lackluster. He's a little spit shine. Okay, that Ooh, got oh. weird. Nope, you know, we're gonna stop right now. Just 
just tell me a story. How about that? Let's get into it. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, I'm going to tell you about Dr. Hall, Holly Harvin, Harvey Crippen. All right. Okay. That, that was rough, but we'll get through it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not quite sure what his name was because you made a bunch of sounds, but... <laughs> Sounded like about four names, but it is I... Holly Harvey Crippen. But we're just gonna call him Doctor Crippen from now on. All right, perfect. Okay, he was born in Coldwater, Michigan, and studied first at the University of Michigan Homeopathic Medical School, and graduated from Cleveland Homeopathic Medical College in 1884. What were you doing in 1884? Uh, <laughs> the first thing that popped into my head. What I don't want to say out loud. So I'm going to say uh, snorting crack and uh, at a concert. In 1884? I thought you said 1984. <laughs> um, 1884, uh, they were burning me at the stake because I was smoking crack and at a concert. <laughs> <laughs> My bad did not were you register the numbers. Firm in 1884 or 1984? Huh? Were you going to say something about being sperm in 1984? <laughs> yeah. No, 1884. You 1884. Know. A little different. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I was a witch, so. Because <laughs> I was smoking crack at a concert. Just wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt saying, fuck you to anyone. <laughs> and everyone was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, that took a weird turn as well. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Crippen's first wife, Charlotte, died of a stroke in 1892, and Crippen basically said, hey, mom and dad, take my fucking kid. I'm out. Cool. So, while Crippen started, he did that and then went to New York, where he married his second wife, Corrine Cora Turner, in 1894, who performed under the stage name Belle Elmore, but her actual name was Kunigund Mekakosti <laughs> to a German mother and a Polish-Russian father. I'm not even joking you. Her name was K-U-N-I-G-U-N-D-E-N-G-E. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Sounds like a sneeze. I'm sorry, but that's what I'm going with. Perfect. Uh, she was a would-be musical singer who basically was openly flamboyant with affairs mm. and had a lot of aspirations to be this awesome musical singer, but wasn't very good. Oh. So in 1897, Crippen moved to England with Belle. Um, so her name was Corrine and it was Belle and it was that other name. I'm just going to call her Belle for the rest of it. So that's Crippen and Bell, because I'm not saying all their fucking names. Okay? Deal. Um, so as Crippen continued working as a distributor of patent medicines, because he wasn't an actual doctor. He was like a homeopathic doctor. So he was like working in like the pharmaceuticals of the time in 1897. Okay. Um, Bell socialized and basically hobnob with all the highfalutin people in England. Highfalutin. Highfalutin. Uh, she was described as overbearing and a dominant character. And despite her affairs and being a real bitch, I guess, Crippen supported her ambitions to 
be first an opera singer and then when that didn't work out a singer in a music hall but she had no success like I had said she wasn't very good uh all she did manage to get out of her career was like a few show business friends and the position of treasurer at the music hall ladies guild in London okay so Crippen was actually fired in 1899 for spending too much time managing his wife's stage career instead of doing his actual job. Uh, so then he became a manager of Drought's Institution for the Deaf, where he hired Ethel Leneve, who was a young typist in 1900. And by 1905, they be fucking. They be banging. Well, isn't they the- be fucking. Belle was like oh she was throwing a cat at everybody too yeah they were okay so they just like kind of had an open relationship kind of sense I don't think they liked each other but you didn't divorce in the 1800s yeah that's true so you just went I think for like it was one of those dynamics where Belle was very controlling and dominant so she was fucking and Crippen who kind of looked like a nerd with a stash was just kind of like a meek man who didn't stand up for himself or do anything about it mm-hmm. until he met Ethel, which is apparently she had a hot tush and they started fucking. So. I mean, her name's Ethel. She's I, obviously uh, banging. <laughs> she's got a banging body, yo. Uh, so, after living at various addresses in London, the Crippins finally moved in 1905 to a street on Camden Road. And part of the thinking actually behind the move was that they could now have separate bedrooms. So at this point, they were like, fuck you. They were basically married, but not married. It was just for show. They also took in lodgers to um, bring in more money. And then Belle had an affair with one of the lodgers. And in turn, Crippen took... um, Ethel as his like permanent mistress and like put her up in 1908 and the affair continued and it through like 1910 ish because okay. on the evening of Monday 31st Monday Monday 31st Monday January 31st in 1910 the Crippins threw a dinner party for two close friends of Bell's Paul and Clara Martinetti uh, they had a like normal enough and pleasant meal there was one incident where paul had asked to use the toilet because crippen didn't escort him upstairs to show him where it was bell berated him in front of them and by the time the martinettis left it was around 1 a.m on monday february 1st and that was the last time anyone saw bell elmore alive dun 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 so over the next week or so, people began to ask where Belle was. Crippen said first that she had gone to America. Then as the days passed, the story was changed how she had fallen ill. And then he started telling people that his wife had died. Oh. There was, however, one problem with this. Ethel immediately moved in, started wearing some of Belle's jewelry and clothes. And by the end of February, she had fully moved into the Hilltop Crescent house suspicious don't be suspicious don't be suspicious except he, they were fucking suspicious and friends called the cops <laughs> so, <laughs> on july 8th chief inspector walter drew or do i'm sorry called 
like went to the house and Ethel was alone there and said that Crippen was at work. So do visit him there. And they came back to the house and Crescent was like, or Crippen was like, sure, walk through the house. I'll show you around. He also told Do that Belle had left him for another man, uh, Bruce Miller, an American she had met in late 1903. Do told Crippen that it would be better if Belle contacted him to confirm the story, and Crippen said that he would place an advertisement in certain newspapers asking for her to make contact. Which is so weird. Like, but back at, but that, how else did you do it in like the 1800s? Right. You couldn't just like call around. I couldn't call her on her cell phone and be like, hey, can you tell this cop that you'd be fucking another dude so I don't get arrested? Right. Can you, like, let everybody know that I didn't kill you? That'd be great. Yes. That's exactly. So, uh, the next day, on July 9th, Crippen shaved off his mustache that was very, like, prominent to him. He He had a stash. And Ethel... With Ethel disguised as a boy, they traveled to Brussels, where they bought tickets for passage to Canada, and then traveled on to Antwerp and boarded the SS Montrose, traveling as father and son. You are making yourself much more suspicious. Oh, it gets better. Great. Okay. So at about the same time, Inspector Dew returned to Hilltop Crescent House, where he was surprised to find that Crippen and Ethel were missing and had left. So he made another routine search of the house. And in the cellar, he noticed some loose bricks on the floor. Officers were ordered in to make a more thorough search. And beneath those bricks, they found the remains of a body. And that body was headless, limbless, and boneless. So it was just a a, a sack of flesh? It was just a little more than a sack of flesh is what it says in my notes. But they determined that it was female how did how did well i mean if it was the torso and it was the flesh there's probably tits on it no but i mean like how how did they get the bones out i don't know did they because if it's not just skin like they had to have like mm-hmm. okay i'm i'm thinking too out. deep into this right now go ahead now that you're digging into it stop it uh on the ship crippen and ethel were not inconspicuous They seemed to be weirdly affectionate and were constantly holding hands for a father and son. (laughs) Hey guys, it's fucking weird. Stop it. (laughs) Because she was obviously like not a little son. She was like, if it was father and son, it would have been like an older teenager son. Right. Why are you being super affectionate and holding hands with each other? That's weird. (laughs) A little Uh, much, guys. (laughs) So added to that, the boy's clothing seemed very ill-fitting. And the captain actually had suspicions and telegraphed a message to Scotland Yard being like, hey, are you missing two people? Because I think we got some fugitives on our fucking boat. We got some uh, strange-ass people. I'm the captain, so. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain. I'm the captain now. Um, Do boarded a faster ship, so he got the message and was like, aw, bet. It's those fucking assholes. So, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> exactly what he you. said. He got the telegraph and was like, bet, it's those assholes. I'm hopping on this next boat. I bet you that's what he said. <laughs> uh, he boarded a faster ship, the SS Laurentic, and on Sunday, July 31st, Dew and other officers boarded the Montrose as it sailed up the St. Lawrence. They were immediately identified, the father and son were immediately identified as Crippen and Ethel, 
almost immediately, and both were arrested, and after three weeks were escorted back to England to face trial. So it was decided that the pair would not be tried together. Crippen would face his trial first, and once that verdict had been determined, Ethel would take her turn for being tried. So he was put on trial at the Old Bailey um, before Lord Chief Justice Lord Alverstone on October 18th, 1910, and the proceedings lasted four days. So the first prosecution witnesses were actually pathologists. That included Bernard Spillsbury, who is like, in this time, kind of a famous pathologist who was in a couple of different murder cases and helped with a couple of different murder cases. Spillsbury. Spillsbury. Uh, who testified that they could not identify the torso remains or even discern whether they were male or female. However, Bernard Spillsbury found a piece of skin with what he claimed to be an abdominal scar consistent with uh, Bell's medical history. So he's saying based on the tissue, they couldn't confirm it was female, even though the cops were like, yep, this is female. This so, um, is Billsbury a woman? No, it's Bernard okay. Spillsbury. Well, I, you just said her, so I didn't know if I... Oh, no, I meant he. Okay. I was maybe. like, I don't didn't know if maybe I, like, misheard and it was a woman. I was like, that's cool at this time, huh? No, it wasn't me. No, it's a dude. Probably a white dude, yeah. huh? Yeah, definitely a white dude. With a name like <laughs> Bernard Spillsbury. Uh, large, qu- large quantities of toxic compound uh, scopalamine were found in the remains, and Crippen had just bought that drug before the murder from a local chemist. Crippen's uh, defense maintained that Bell had fled to America with another man and that uh, Bell... Wait, hold on. Sorry, I just... Uh, okay. Crippen's <laughs> defense... Crippen's defense maintained that Bell had fled to America with another man, uh, suggesting... And since they had only been living living in the house since 1905, they suggested that a previous owner of the house was responsible for the placement of the remains. However, it was 1910, and the bot it was five years later. So I don't think tissue would be that fresh. No, five years later. Uh, the defense asserted that the abdominal scar identified by pathologist Billsbury was really just folded tissue. For among other things, it had hair follicles growing from it. That's grossed me out. Wait, what? Something scar oh. tissue could not have. Uh, he noted that the sebaceous glands appeared at the ends, but not in the middle of the scar. So there was some hair growing on this ends, but not in the middle. This grosses me out to talk about. Uh, other evidence presented by the prosecution included a piece of a man's pajama top, supposedly from a pair of Cora or from Bell had given Crippen a year earlier. The pajama bottoms were found in Crippen's bedroom, but not the top. The fragment included the manufacturer's label, Jones Bros, curlers, and bleach hair consistent with bells were found within the remains as well. Uh, testimony from uh, Jones Brothers representatives said that the store that pajama top fragment came from stated that the product was not sold prior to 1908, placing the date of manufacture well within the time period when the Crippens occupied the house and when Cora gave the garments to uh Crippen the year before in 1909. Huh. Uh, throughout the proceedings and at his sentencing, Crippen showed no remorse for his wife, only concern for his lover's reputation. 
and the jury found Crippen guilty of murder after just 27 minutes of deliberation. <laughs> like this, no, no, you did it. And then on October 25th, Ethel was put to trial as an accessory to murder, but was found not guilty. And uh, appeal on behalf of Crippen was dismissed and his death sentence was confirmed. He was hung by John Ellis at Pettenville Prison in London at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, November 23rd, 1910. His last request had been for a photograph of Ethel and some of her letters to be buried with him in an unmarked grave. The request was granted. Um, Ethel sailed to the United States before settling in Canada, finding work as a typist. She returned to England in 1915 and died in 1967. Um, and although Crippen's grave in Pentonville's grounds is not marked by a stone, tradition has it that soon after his burial, a rose bush was planted over it. Some of his relatives in Michigan have begun lobbying for his remains to be rep repatriated to the United States. So they, like, want, because. <laughs> I was like, please, please elaborate, because I'm like, They why? want his remains moved to Michigan, because that's where his family's from. Mm -hmm. Even though he was executed and buried in London. Mm -hmm. In October of 2007, Michigan State University forensic scientist David Foran claimed that uh, mitochondrial DNA evidence showed the remains found beneath Crippen's cellar floor were not those of his wife, Cora Crippen, or Belle Crippen. Researchers used gene genealogy to identify three living relatives of Bell Crippen, great nieces, by providing mitochondrial DNA haplolite type. Researchers were able to compare their DNA with DNA extracted from a microscope slide containing the flesh taken from the torso in Crippen cellar. The original remains were also tested using a highly sensitive Y chromosome that found the flesh sample on the slide was male. The same research team also argued that a scar found on the torso's abdomen, which the original trial's prosecution argued was the same as Ms. one uh, uh, Bell had, was incorrectly identified because the scientists found hair follicles in the tissue, which was presented by the defense at trial. Mm -hmm. Traces of blonde hair found in the curlers at the scene are now preserved in the Metropolitan's Crime Museum. Another researcher says that they have asked to be provided with samples from the DNA for testing, but the request has been denied several times. Um, Scotland Yard was willing to test hair from the crime scene for a fee, which was like an astronomical fee. Um, researchers have hypothesized that the police planted the body parts and particularly the fragment of the pajama top at the scene to incriminate Crippen because Bell was such a well-known figure and there was pressure to solve her disappearance. Mm. Uh, he suggests that Scotland Lard was under tremendous public pressure to find and bring the trial for the crime. Uh, an independent observer points out that the case did not become public until after the remains were found. Um, and in December of 2009, the UK's Criminal Case Review Commission did review the case, but declared that the Court of Appeal would not hear the case to pardon Crippen posthumously. So he's still technically considered guilty. Which, but I... But it's clearly, a, like, men's body parts, right? Well, they're saying that, well, one re one team of researchers, okay. when looking at the slides, said that they could identify a Y chromosome and it was a man's body part. But it is a slide from the 1800s. So right, I suppose. They don't know. It could have been somebody else's DNA put on there, too, when they were... Right, could have been 
cross contaminated and whatnot. Right. So, huh? But I just interesting. I have never heard of I that case before. I had not either. I don't even know how I found it, but I was like, huh? Interesting. Well, would you look at you? <laughs> look at that. So intriguing. Good jobs. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy? Did I tell you a story? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why that went British and why I asked for that. That was weird. <laughs> you, Did you enjoy? Are you asking me to like pet your ego right yeah, now? Yeah, can you give me a compliment? Because I feel like I need a compliment. That was a really good story. <laughs> Did you uh, enjoy when I read you that story? Or... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's why I said you did a good job. How much did you enjoy it? Tell me more. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> uh, All right. Do you have a story for me? I do. I do. I do. I need oh. to get up. I was unprepared. Good. All right. Oh. Good. Good. <laughs> Clear my throat. Now that I'm. Now that I'm talking. Let um, me clear my throat. Sometimes you just yeah. Thank you. Sometimes you just gotta sing, man. You just gotta like let it out. Okay, so it's a it's a week later. It's a week later because Amanda done fucked up and uh I'm sorry. May may have spent like five, six hours researching uh something that Christina has already covered. So um <laughs> um so yeah, that's why my voice sounds different also because I have a, a sore throat. So she's got a cold. I didn't all of a sudden just change my voice. <laughs> <laughs> just drop an octave. All of a sudden I have a deep voice for the rest of this podcast episode. <laughs> so what I have for you now is a a compilation of latchkey kid disappearances because none of them have a lot of information but i find it very interesting the like 80s 90s latchkey kids that just kind of walked themselves everywhere and did Dude, things we on were their latchkey own kids. oh i know and, and nothing uh, happened i know and it for the most part it didn't but it also made it much easier for things to happen when it did happen well it also the stranger danger thing was also a big big influx 90s yeah disappearances because it's not strangers that kidnap kids Mm -hmm. it's your creepy uncle Mm -hmm. it's well and that's what um, or the creepy family friend that you call uncle and that's one thing that I found in these is a lot of times they were like, uh, it's usually somebody who's close to the kids that mm. do it. So this like stranger kidnapping is very odd. Mm-hmm. So they always look at like the estranged father or the, yeah. you know, the grandpa that's, no, you know, like something like that. So first we're going to start in Australia. Oh. I know. So Claire Morrison um, was 13 years old in Geelong, Victoria, Australia. Um, she was a rebellious teen, so she was just getting out of that like young preteen, like trying to push buttons. And she was actually like hanging out with other kids that were like smoking and partying, you know, at 13. So in my mind, I'm going, 
balls, Man- man. Amanda was playing with Leo the Lion on the playground at 13. No, this was before Leo the Lion 2. <laughs> this was like in 92. So I was like four. Um, so December 18th, Leo the Lion was, <laughs> I really, I mean. When she was 13. I was 12, okay, <laughs> with Leo the Lion. When I was 13, I was way too cool. I wore my Care Bear t-shirt that showed my tummy. <laughs> can't I can't even with you I'm sorry I still had my snaggle tooth and my chunky blonde highlights <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway let's not talk about it anymore I don't, I don't want to talk about it so on December 18th of 1992 Claire and her friend went to Geelong Mall okay uh Claire told her friend that she was gonna catch the bus go home get some money for Christmas shopping and then come back um, this was the last interaction that anyone has ever had with Claire before she disappeared. Um, witnesses saw her walking down the mall sidewalk towards McDonald's that later they found out supposedly she was supposed to be meeting one of her friends at this McDonald's instead of she wasn't catching a bus. She was going to meet a different friend. Oh. Um, and from what people said, she appeared to be like under the influence like drunk or something because she was stumbling around and just looked disheveled and um whatnot and when she didn't make it home that day her family reported her missing they're like something's up she's not here what's going on so the next day december 19th uh her nearly naked body was found by surfers at bell's beach um she had been battered strangled and then her body was shark bitten so it she was thrown into the water and obviously sharks bit it and were like, oh, because they don't like the taste of human flesh. They bite you thinking you're a fish, guys. I was going to make a big joke about a spider tooker because they have spiders the size of my head there. But you just went right into her naked body being found. And I was like, oh, oh, shit, son. Um, shit. So spider, no jokes about the spider. Spider definitely didn't take her. <laughs> Fucking sharks. Air so her body had been bitten by sharks all over the place which made uh, actual cause of death hard to determine because she had been in the water for a chunk of time and mm-hmm. she had the bites because there's strangulation marks but there was no breaking of like the larynx or anything so they didn't necessarily know that she died from suffocation there was a lead to an 18 year old named shane mclaren who said that he had seen Claire get into a blue Commodore um, with two men. Cool. Um, Shane Commodore. Made it. They found out like a couple weeks later that Shane had made that up and he was arrested for perjury. And when they asked him like, why did you make that up? He just wanted to get in trouble was his answer. What the fuck? Death killed her. Yeah. See, and Shane claimed to be Claire's friend. He says he has nothing to do with her death and he just wanted to get in trouble that was it Um, so after the discovery of the lead was being false claire's brother says that the police lost interest and the case went cold there is an award for fifty thousand dollars um for information leading to the killer and to this day the only person of interest that they have is that shane kid otherwise it just they stopped investigating that's bullshit yeah and they because she was a troubled kid they were like, right. oh, well, she probably got into some sort of a questionable situation. And well, and that Shane kid, like 
he inserted himself into the investigation exactly There's and that's the no way he mm, yeah no he's shady that soups suspicious. <laughs> yep and that's the end of the first latchkey kid disappearance that okay. i found interesting all right okay i'm ready so the next two are actually both from 1981 okay i'm calm so the first one is marianne rugus Knutsen. and Knutsen. so this is actually in norway i decided to take a trip around the world for all the latchkey kids rip around the world i want to go to norway right me too that sounds cool um so marianne was six years old in reeser norway uh her mother had just given birth to a little sister about four months before and she had a new boyfriend and they had just recently moved in with him okay so her parents were divorced okay um she got this new boyfriend, great guy. They moved in. Um, they were all very happy. Marianne loved the new house, especially the large garden that was in the yard. Um, in, uh, on August 20th of 1981, Marianne was walking to first grade. She finished school right around like 11, 12. So they, apparently they just do like a half day. I don't know. Okay. Um, but she finished school around 11 or 12. She went to a friend's house for like just a little bit to play and then she walked home again like this uh-huh. is just normal six years old I'm it kind of flabbergasted me because looking at it now <laughs> I walked just, home when I was six I know but I mean like but I had a group of kids walk home because we were all going to my mom's house for daycare. right so she walked with her friend to her friend's house but then she walked by herself home which is mm-hmm. fine she got home and when she got home her mother said that she was gonna go get new curtains for the living room in a town that was about 50 kilometers away I looked it up it's close to about 31 miles mm-hmm. um, and Marianne decided she wanted to go with her and so her mom's like okay that's fine gave her a little bit of change and told her to go grab some ice cream from the like corner shop um, before they went that way she wouldn't be hungry whatever okay okay so she was finishing some stuff up she's like here here's some money go get, go get some ice cream and then when you get back we'll head out so Marianne took off she went down to the ice cream shop that was um about a little under a quarter mile away from what I looked at for like space um I tried to figure out blocks but I just didn't have the energy so um she went to this shop and this was like not her first time walking there it was kind of normal for her to go there she had been there by herself before so it wasn't weird that she was walking in getting ice cream Um, She got her ice cream and she ate it in the parking lot and then she went home. Okay. So when she got home, my computer thinks that I'm listening to music because it just popped up saying set up professional audio auto settings. Um, And it does it every time I have like music playing on my phone, if I'm waiting for, I'm sorry, that was just a total, like, I was was like, like, what what the fuck? (laughs) start back Um, that last sentence yeah no I'm sorry totally caught me off guard um so she ate her ice cream in the parking lot and then she walked home okay um when she got home her cousin Nina had come over to watch the baby while Marianne and her mom went and got the curtains uh her mother gave her the option to either go with her or stay with Marianne um, and Mary, she decided to, or Marianne to stay with Nina mm-hmm. and Marianne decided she wanted to play with her cousin. So she was just going to stay 
And so her mother was like, all right, sounds good. Gave her a little more money for later so she could get treats for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she took off. And when her mother left, the girls played. And right around 2.30 p.m., Marianne decided that she wanted to go grab ice cream for them, too. Are you dying? I paused that time before I started talking again. Uh, Clover came out of nowhere like a ghost. Gave you a fright? the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, that's fine. You just went... Well, I was, I had my having a heart attack. I had my hand down and all of a sudden I felt something like soft to brush it. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? Cause she made no noise. Hey, come here. I didn't mean to scare you. Come here. It's a ghost. Sorry. Continue. Okay. So she went and got more ice cream. She walked down to the shop. She was barefoot and wearing a bright dress. Um, she got two ice creams and a bag of candies and left the store. So she was going, she got it for her and her cousin so that they could have treats, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the last time that she was seen alive. Um, as soon as her mother returned home, she and she hadn't gotten back from the store, um, her mother called and reported her missing. A search was launched immediately and continued for the next few days. They used thermal cameras and cadaver dogs to assist, and nothing came of this. Uh, four days later I know little six-year-old girl um four days later they started questions questioning yes four days later they began questioning um witnesses and people in the neighborhood um and take making it they were taking it more seriously as if there was some sort of foul play because at first they thought maybe she had roamed off Mm -hmm. and um either got After lost four or days i know that's where because my my notes say they t- started treating it as an abduction rather than a runaway accident wandering After child the, but at that point what? they didn't they already know the 48 hours is like the most i feel like and at I guess eight, in 81 maybe um i was like i know that amber alert didn't come into existence until like 90s and yeah um, 96 i think yeah and so I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm sure they were thinking maybe she just went to a friend's house or whatever. And, but anyway, so they believe that she, like once they were like, okay, something happened. Uh, they think that she was picked up near the shop and put into a car, but nothing with nothing coming from the search. It was officially called off on September 7th. So about like two weeks later um there were multiple suspects throughout the investigation but no one was convicted and charged at the time on october 16th of 1981 so a month after they called off the search about Mm -hmm. a man in his 50s was arrested and charged with marianne's kidnapping but he was released on june 22nd of 1982 because they didn't have any evidence against him and linking him to it it was just hey you're in the area and you have a background like this so it's probably you so they arrested him so then they had to release him because they had no like linking evidence right um her father was also a, a suspect for a short period of time but he was ruled out pretty quickly um in 1998 thomas quick do you know the name? 
um, confessed to her abduction and death. He confessed to 30 or so murders in Sweden and Norway and was convicted of eight. He withdrew his confession in 2008 and was found that he falsely confessed to his murders. All of them? Uh, yes, I think so. I didn't dig too deep into him. I was like, what the fuck? Um, after this, he was sent to a mental institution with a personality disorder and like obvious, obviously, obviously had things. Wrong with him. <laughs> so he was released in 2013. Um, then in 2017, a private investigator named Greta Stroma, Stroma, mm-hmm. you know, Norwegian, um, <laughs> said that the police had made many errors in the investigation and requested that the case be reopened and re-looked at, but this was rejected at the time, and Marianne's case remains unsolved, and Marianne is unfound. Uh, so, who knows? Um, it's just it's just so wild to me. Like, I got down this rabbit hole of finding these, like, well, and it's- who fucking knows cases. <laughs> well and it happened all the fucking time yeah it's just wild mm-hmm. um but that's the end of uh poor little marianne's case um as of right now it's still unsolved and they don't really have any sort of thing anything pointing in a specific direction after right. the quick thing came to light that he just kind of made up all these things well and her poor parents who think that it's resolved and then just kidding it's not and mm-hmm we have nothing to go on and right so my final one is the case of kathleen kelly so this one is in the united states because i couldn't just like go to all different countries so kathleen usa USA. (laughs) kathleen who is known as kathy um was 12 years old at the time she was last seen in may or on may 22nd of 1981 uh she was 5'2 weighed about 100 pounds had light brown hair she was wearing a golden cross necklace when she disappeared those that's like the description they have of her for the day that she disappeared okay on may 22nd kathy went to a skating rink in cheswick pennsylvania with her nieces and nephews um they were all about the same age because she had very much older siblings so one of her, her niece that I talk about later, um, was like three or four years older than her and the rest were right around her age. Okay. So they were more like cousins at that point feel anyway. So she went to this skating rink. Um, they were there because Kathy's brother-in-law. So his sister, Judy's husband, her sister's Judy's husband, um, was working a shift there that's where both of them worked but judy was actually home on maternity leave because she had just given birth to a new baby so the husband was working so all the kids got to come and go you know basically skate for free Mm -hmm. um at some point kathy got bored with skating and left the rink and walked to her sister's house kathy's house to see her and the new baby uh, she hung out there for about an hour and then she left to walk the six blocks home. So technically her and her sister, Judy lived in different towns, but because they sat so close to each other, um, there was only about six blocks difference, but it was a very, it was like a wide span of like, 
not wilderness, but like grassland. There was some like forest in between. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was walking about six blocks, but it was kind of in this open area that was a little. It's six blocks through the woods, basically. Yes. Little sketch. So she, Judy says that she had offered Kathy a ride home. Like, she's like, I can drive you home. Like we have the mm-hmm. car. We're just sitting here. And she refused her ride, which at the time Judy said she found a little suspicious, but she kind of joked about it. And then, and eventually Kathy just left and walked home. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, why would she refuse a ride? Like, what is she planning to do? So they thought maybe, she thought maybe she was going to like meet up with somebody that she shouldn't be hanging out with. Mm-hmm. So she was like, mm, okay. Cause again, she's at that like 12 year old stage where it's like, pushing the boundaries um but Kathy never made it home Mm -hmm. Uh, some of the members of the family still believe that she may have run away on purpose and like I don't know why I keep going "Mm," like it's surprising when you told me it's last (laughs) key right oh surprise Kimberly who is the niece that I was talking about that's like three four Mm -hmm. years older than her uh Kimberly Robinson was very close with Kathy they're like best friends Um, I guess they lived together for a time and kind of became like sisters, but she thinks that it wasn't an abduction either. She thinks that she left. Um, She hints towards family issues that Kathy had voiced to her and that she wanted to like separate herself from and be away from, but there was never any details really given. Um, I wonder if there was like behind the doors, like abuse happening. Mm -hmm. And so nobody ever really, everybody like would, uh, would talk very nonchalantly about like, oh yeah, you know, the family stuff, like whatever, but they would never tell what it is. So investigators are like, okay, but we need to know what this is. Well, it's not really my business to tell. Um, Investigators didn't take the case very seriously because the family didn't take the case very seriously. They like, were like, yeah, no, she just, she probably ran away. Right. Like it is what it is. And so they didn't really investigate anything. I mean, they kind of just were like, okay, well, she's a runaway. I mean, we'll put it in the missing persons, like missing and what is it endangered or whatever. But I, you know, um, but some wonder if maybe the family tried to blame her disappearance on a runaway because something actually happened (coughs) to her or was done to her. Right. Um, and so now they're trying to hide it and skeleton in the closet. Uh, about a month after the disappearance, uh, Kimberly, that niece, uh, received a phone call at her mother's house on the landline. And the person on the other line said, you know who I am. You know who I am and I'm fine. And then hung up. Uh, there were no other calls that were made that anybody said anything, but they said that they did have like a large amount of calls that were just silent and then dial tone. That's creepy. Uh, So to this day, Kathy is listed as an endangered missing child, but there are no new leads and no clues to where she went or what happened to her. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, I went down this little rabbit hole of like, First, I found the one and I was like, ooh, it's kind of unsolved. Like, I want to find some that were like straight up just disappeared off the face of the earth unsolved, right. not found the body and we don't really know who did what to her. Just, just, just 
gone aliens abducted no i just i don't know and that is the end of kathy's case uh you keep saying that is the end and i'm like of kathy <laughs> it's like Jesus, kathy. Start. well it's been 40 fucking years yeah it's probably the end of kathy yeah and so right now she would be like what 53 mm-hmm. and it just is hard to believe that she wouldn't have come forward by this point right i mean once you're an adult and you can just be like yeah i left what of it you know yeah um i'm sure and i always wonder okay so as i'm doing these reading all these different little cases like i had to find some that had a little bit of a weird twist Mm -hmm. to it this it was like the family stuff was weird um the one in norway first of all it was in norway so i was like that's kind of interesting but then like she's six and just like walking to the ice cream store and whatever the other one there's the sharks bit her up and Mm -hmm. you know I was like oh it's interesting but then it makes me go how many of these like Jane Doe bodies that they find randomly where there's no identification they have no way of knowing who they are are some of these like missing people people that just disappear off the face of the earth like I wish there was a way to put it all into a database and just start connecting dots at least to like figure out who these people are and so they their families can have a little bit of closure right and I'm sure there is a way but it's gonna cost a lot of money and that's not what our government likes to put money into you know (laughs) it's funny but also I'm crying it's funny but also not (laughs) Uh, but yeah so three all interesting right three random ass latchkey kid 80s and 90s cases that I just because the one that I researched for my big case kind of got me into this like ooh, now I'm curious about more right so thank you this little precursor to next week yep you get a you get a little uh peek a little peek into what my case is for next week a little peek peek ski so fucking dumb stupid all right well since this uh episode took a week to record uh should we just close her up and yep just all right hey thanks for sticking by us with the uh weird fucking schedule we've been rolling out sorry it'll probably still be weird for a while because we're (laughs) our life you know if you guys have ever watched friends that one episode where Ross finds out that Rachel and Joey are like together <laughs> and he's like I'm I'm fine I'm I don't know why my voice got so high that's but I'm fine <laughs> but I'm fine that's literally me and Amanda right now that's that's what our lives are it's currently how we are dealing with life so well and it's not even just like one of us no it's both of us so it's both of us are just like <laughs> I had a mental breakdown at work on Friday and cried for most of the day over nothing. Just lost my shit. So that's not not embarrassing or anything. So it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, So yeah. Thanks for listening and being patient and um, dealing with this with us as much as possible. Um, But yeah, follow us on things, like us on things. You're the bet we're gonna go on a road trip in june and we might make tiktoks while we do it so we'll let you right. know <laughs> we're gonna start a uh visual platform <laughs> <laughs> of of the tiktok <laughs> okay oh lord all right well see you later <laughs>